Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. I'm so happy that you would listen to our sermons each week here. This week we continue our series on uh, parables of Jesus, and we have a treat for you as Jordan Santos, our youth minister, fills in and uh, brings a great message talking about the parable of the unequal debts. Yeah, the story of Jesus where uh, this lady is just crying on his feet and wiping his, his feet with her, her hair. And such a powerful image there. And I, I think you're, you're just going to really, uh, really enjoy this. So I hope you'll, hope you'll listen all the way through as Jordan brings this message. And again, we'd love to see you in person. Come see us anytime. And thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Having that moment of, is this me in the story? Who am I in the story? Um, because if you can't be honest with yourself, then why are you here? Right? So we'll get to that later. Don't worry about that right now. Um, before we get into today's parable, uh, I want to go back to um, Jesus' statement on why he uses parables. John's brought this up the past couple weeks. Uh, and I want to help us frame our minds about uh, this whole discussion. Um, this is Luke 9, uh, Luke 8, verses 9 and 10. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, talking about the parable of the sower. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Which, when it's talking about the secrets of the kingdom and all that stuff, it sounds very Harry Potter-esque of uh, this unknown thing that uh, we're special and we get to have. And when I remember growing up, I always thought of parables as being the thing that was supposed to make the complicated things seem really simple. And kind of, but also not really. It's not, that's not the sole purpose. It's, it's really meant to have this moment where uh, you're separated into the people that want to hear what God is trying to tell them and people who want to hear what they want to hear, right? Um, they're plain, but they're not obvious. Does that make sense? Uh, he does a couple things in this passage. Uh, he acknowledges that everybody is in different places, different uh, uh, places in their faith and their knowledge, etc. Right? He doesn't have the same starting expectations for all of us when we come to him, but he does have the same desire for all of us by the end, which is to know and to love him to, and to eventually be together with him forever in heaven, which is an awesome thing. And also, like I said, it it's not the obvious this is complicated, but now it's simple with the parables. It's the separating of the two. What are you, what are you here for? Are you here to be reaffirmed or are you here to be challenged? Um, with the teens, this month we've been talking about obedience. And uh, whenever it says, those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may, are, they may not understand, it reminds me of what we've been talking about because we focus on a word uh, this month. Chase, what's the word? Shema. Shema. There you go. See, they listen sometimes. <laughs> um, Shema is the Hebrew word to uh, listen or to hear, right? But even the Hebrew people, they understood it as more than, you know, the sounds hitting your eardrums, right? Because in Hebrew, there is not a separate word for obey. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Um, it's because they assume that if you are truly hearing, that would cause you to listen and to obey. You wouldn't say that in Hebrew. You wouldn't say, uh, I, I will hear you, I will listen, and I will do what you say. You would just say that, uh, I will shema. Um, and that's because 
they understood as understood it as it's so tightly compared to when you hear someone and you respect them and you love them, uh, the natural response is to obey. And this verse kind of recognizes that not everybody does that, right? And we know that. We see examples all throughout the Bible of people hearing uh, the word of God and it not causing them to obey, not truly hearing it. And that's when, you know, we talk about the, the subtitle of the series, Let Them Hear. We say that because it's not a given, right? Jesus says that it's because it's not a given. Not everybody who hears is going to truly hear. Not everybody who hears is going to truly uh, listen and obey. So let's say, uh, let's get into this passage. The uh, uh, parable of unequal debts. You may have heard this one, you may not have. Uh, but it's found in Luke 7, 36 through 50. I'm going to take a uh, page out of John's book, and we're going to read it all together to begin with. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, she was weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and he wouldn't and, and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him five hundred nerai and the other fifty. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. When he turned toward the woman, uh, then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not... Stop kissing my feet. You do not pull, put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. So Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's a really powerful story to me, and there's a lot to unpack. And only two of the verses are the actual parable itself. Um, so I want to pay attention to those real quick, and then we'll talk about uh, what it's doing in the story. The best way that I can connect uh, through this to this story is through the idea of student loan debt, <laughs> right? Uh, which is a highly debated topic in the country nowadays. Uh, a few months ago, President Biden announced a student debt relief plan that uh, helped low to middle class uh, earners uh, cancel up to, uh, up to ten thousand, sometimes even twenty thousand dollars in student loan debt. And I'm sure all of you have your own opinions uh, if it's good or if it's bad or if it's fair. Uh, but I'll tell you my experience with it. Okay. So as most of you know, I graduated from Oklahoma Christian University. Uh, May of 2021, so just last year, which is weird to think about because uh, I was hired, I interviewed in uh, November, and I was hired in 
actually, no, I interviewed in December. It was supposed to be November, but then I got COVID. So I interviewed in December, and then I was hired, and I started January 1st. So it's almost two years since the day I was hired. It's almost two years since the day I interviewed, which is weird to think. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. But uh, I graduated last year, all the good stuff, and as you could expect, I graduated with some student loan debt. And I... I tried my hardest, right? I got some really good scholarship. I was a pretty smart kid, I don't know. Um, I got some good scholarships. Uh, I sang the choir, they gave me some scholarship for that. Uh, because of my family's financial situation, the government gave us some money. Um, and I even worked you know, some jobs throughout my time in college to kind of help with everything. Uh, but I still uh, ended up graduating with around $23,000 in student loan debt, which uh, luckily Abby didn't have any, but uh, Still on money, right? That's, that's not a throwaway number, right? And so, whenever my parents had first got married, debt was something that really uh, weighed them down and something that uh, kind of hurt uh, them in their early years. And so, I mean, I decided we were going to really be aggressive and attack my student loan debt. Uh, and especially while uh, the uh, interest freeze was going on because of the pandemic, it wasn't accruing interest. So we're like, okay, we're going to try to pay as much of this debt off as we can. And uh, we ended up paying all of my debt uh, in around a year. We worked really hard, we were really proud of that. Uh, it was a tough thing to do. We made some sacrifices, made some hard choices, uh, but we ended up doing that. We were proud and we called our parents and we made the last payment. Uh, we were really happy, we were right on a high for a while and then a few months passed and then we get the announcement that, hey, actually we're gonna cancel this much student loan debt. It's like, oh, you're telling me that I could be $20,000 richer right now. And how do, I mean, how do you think I felt about that? I was a little disappointed. I was like, man, that's not really fair. I wish I'd known. If I had done literally nothing, I would be so much more richer right now. Um, and I had those thoughts for a while, and uh, that's kind of the root of the debate uh, in our world. It's like, is that fair for people who have already paid their student loan debt? If we go back to the actual passage in Luke 7, uh, I'll read it again. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Someone replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven, you have judged correctly, Jesus said. Okay, so a denarii is equal to a day's wages. I thought about doing all this math in my head instead of having it on the screen, but I decided to make it easier for everybody. So a denarii is one day's wage. 50 denarii is 50 days wage, that's what one person owed. 500 uh, is 500 days wage, which is what the other person owed. If we bring that number into our modern day, uh, the federal minimum wage is 7.25 an hour. So if you're making 7.25 an hour with an eight hour workday, $58 a day, 50 days of $58 a day is $2,900. That's what one person was forgiven. And then 500 days wages, $29,000. Which, that's insane. That's so much money. I can't imagine, or let's all imagine together. You owe somebody $2,900 and they just let it go. They forgive it, no big deal, they say you're good. You're probably, how do you feel? You're probably breathing a little easier, right? Maybe you can give your uh, kids a slightly better Christmas. 
you know, maybe that's a down payment on a car that you need. Um, Abby and I, we love this restaurant in Baytown. It's called Bay Poke. And uh, uh, it's a poke restaurant. If you don't want to know what poke is, it's basically anything that would be in a sushi roll. You put it in a bowl with rice. And we love it. It's good. And we can go to Bay Poke for $20 exactly every single time. We can both eat for, both eat for $20. It's really nice. It's a good, easy date. Uh, if we were forgiven $2,900, that is 145 okay dates. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a lot of quality time with my wife. Yeah. $2,900 is no joke. That's a good amount to be forgiven of. And you probably feel pretty good about it until you hear about your buddy who's been forgiven $29,000. And if you're that person, if you're forgiven $29,000, how do you feel then? It's not just you're breathing a little easier. That's not just a nicer Christmas. That's a breaking down in tears kind of forgiveness. $29,000 can be life-changing for most people in America. And even if that's not life-changing for you, this number is scalable depending on how much you weigh because it's a day's wages. If you make $100,000 a year, that's a debt forgiven of $200,000. 500 denarii is life-changing, like I said, no matter what. It's an insane amount of money. And you feel good when you're forgiven 50 until you hear about the person that's forgiven 500. Why is that? Why do, we, why do we do that? We should feel excited for other people's blessings. We should be happy with what we have. We should be happy for what other people have. But we don't. We don't do that. We get caught up um, in... The comparison, and it's rare that we actually are happy for the other person. If you've heard enough sermons, you probably know that Jesus isn't just talking about monetary debt, right? Uh, the weight of our mistakes are so much heavier. <clears throat> as we cover ourselves with the sin that so easily entangles, as they say, um, we repeatedly turn to God for forgiveness, and then we turn around. And we struggle with the same thing again. And then we turn around and ask for forgiveness. And we turn around and struggle with the same thing again. How many of you have done that before? I have with too many things to admit, right? And we do that, and I know that for me, and I think you probably can say you feel the same way, I feel a lot of guilt about that. I feel guilty when I feel like, man, God has given so much to me, and I keep taking advantage of it. Or God has forgiven me this much, and I feel guilty whenever I find myself in the same situations. And I think that's a very natural human thing to feel, guilt, and kind of shame about some of those things. I know I've felt that way, and maybe you have too. It's hard for me, whenever I feel guilty, it's hard for me to pick myself back up again. Um, it's hard for me to say, you know what, Jordan, you messed up. Again, with the same thing, again. But that's okay, because God loves you and God wants to forgive you. It's hard for me to tell myself that. It's much easier for me to say, Jordan, I know you messed up again with the same thing, again. But at least you're not like that person over there. <laughs> they got, had to be forgiven of so much more than you did. You didn't do the things, you don't, have, you don't struggle with the same things that they struggle with. God definitely has a little more favor with you. Like, yeah, you messed up, but at least you're not that guy, right? 
We shouldn't do that. That's dumb. That's so dumb that we do that. But we do it. We do a lot of dumb things, if I'm being honest. And that's what the Pharisee is doing in this story, right? That's what the Pharisee is doing in this story. I'll give, you, I'll give the Pharisees some credit, right? This is one of the few Pharisees that is named in the Bible. That's not, that doesn't happen very often. It's usually reserved for the Pharisees who uh, seem to be a little open-minded, right? We hear about Nicodemus in John chapter 3 who asked Jesus some uh, genuine questions and even recognizes that he's a man from God, right? So that Pharisee, he gets some credit. He gets his name uh, mentioned because he had an open mind. And then here we have Simon, who invites Jesus into his home, uh, who even calls him a teacher uh, during their time together. And so it seems like he's kind of having an open mind, but there's something he's still obviously struggling with. Um, there's uh, Simon invites him over for dinner, and uh, during their dinner, a woman from the town uh, comes and begins to wash Jesus' feet with their own with her own tears. And the scripture calls this woman a woman who, uh, had, what, whose life was full of sin. Which I don't know what that means, whatever it means, I don't know. Um, but apparently it was public enough that she had this reputation, right? And uh, I'm okay with not knowing, but as she began uh, to wash his feet, Simon decides to speak up about it. If it were me, I would be saying, like, hey, lady, how did you get in my house? Who are you? Because apparently it seems like she just walked in and starts going to town on Jesus' feet, which, first of all, is gross. Um, I don't know if you ever think about this. I think about this too much, is that when they talk about washing feet in the Bible, do you recognize why that's necessary? It's because they walk around in sandals all day. They have zero foot coverage. And it's covered in dirt and uh, grime and sweat and all that stuff. It's disgusting. And then on top of that, she's like, you know, I'm going to wash it, not with water, but with my salty tears from my eyes. And then as she gets his feet all uh, wet and muddy and swirled around, she uses her hair to wipe it up. Oh, my gosh. That is so hard. Uh, I hate that so much. But apparently this was... I mean, this truly is an act of submission and, like, humility, because I can't imagine doing that. Anyways, uh, Simon doesn't focus on any of those things. Instead, he focuses on why is, uh, uh, he focuses on if only Jesus knew who she was. He must not be a prophet, because if he really knew who this woman was, he wouldn't, he wouldn't go near her. Uh, he would be repulsed right now if he had any idea what kind of woman she was. And Jesus responds by telling him this parable. And so why do you think that Simon needed to hear the parable about unequal deaths? Because of, instead of being thankful for the time that he is spending with this great teacher that even he recognizes. Instead, he is focused on why is this sinner trying to get close to Jesus? 
I think churches sometimes do this exact same thing. There are churches that can say, I don't want that person or those kind of people coming into our building. You know what their sin is? Haven't you heard what they do? It'd be better if they weren't near our worship, right? Is this a church that does that? And even if not whole churches, individual Christians can do the same thing. They can act the same way. They can say the same things. And even if not that, they'll do as John says sometimes. Well, I'm glad so-and-so is here for this sermon. They need to be here for what John is saying right now, right? They struggle with this, so I'm glad that they're, you know what I mean? Christians truly act that way sometimes. And part of going through these parables is for you to ask, is that you? Do you do that? One thing that uh, I did subconsciously while I was prepping for this lesson, maybe you've been doing it too, um, I've been imagining myself as the Pharisee. Uh, it took me a while to realize that when I, I was writing uh, this out from the point of view uh, of the Pharisee, the point of view of someone that who struggled in the same way that Simon has struggled, right? The more I thought about it, the more I realized that even, even when I'm talking about being introspective with you guys, uh, I'd rather think of myself as a stubborn Pharisee who knows better than I would rather think about myself as a Christian whose life is full of sin, who needs to come to Jesus. Even when I'm alone, I refuse to uh, be honest with myself and say that, man, I need to do what she's doing. I think to myself, like, oh, you should know better, you should know better. And I have this higher view of myself, and I, I think of anybody else in the role of the woman. How many of you thought of anybody else other than yourself? And this was hard for me. It was one of those moments where I had to ask myself, am I coming to the scripture listening for God's voice, or am I coming to the scripture listening for my own? <coughs> but that's what we have to do with these parables. We have to ask, who am I in the story? I had to do that, hopefully you're doing that too. Here's some things that uh, I learned from this passage and uh, Hopefully you can learn from them too. Like I said earlier, God recognizes that we come from different places. Uh, just like I said earlier, God does not expect us to come to him with a certain level of faith, with a certain level of knowledge or obedience compared to anybody else, right? He knows that we are all coming to him, as we say, just as you are. Our starting point does not determine our finish line, and our death does not determine our forgiveness, right? Tied to that, God's forgiveness is unlimited. Along those same lines, there's not going to be a point where God says, you've sinned too much. He's not keeping tally marks on the heaven walls, and once you get to a certain number, you're out, right? He doesn't have the uh, X amount of days since last accident, and you do really well, 
and you're like, oh, man, it's been six days. And then you mess up, and you have to erase it and put the big fat zero, uh, and you say, oh, it's just so disappointed in you, right? Um, sometimes I feel like we live as if we're just hoping it's not a zero on the day we die, right? God's forgiveness is unlimited. And this is something that was not easy for me. Uh, this is something that I hope all of you can take away from this. Um, but someone else's blessing is not mine to reject. Sometimes uh, we think that they don't deserve the same forgiveness. If only God knew their problems, uh, uh, he wouldn't be giving them another chance. Can you imagine the arrogance in that statement, right? God, you just don't know. If only you knew like I did, you wouldn't be... You wouldn't let them near you. Their blessing is not something for me to reject because I promise that there is someone else who could say the exact same thing about you. That's why we don't get into the process of ranking Christians because everyone ends up at the bottom. And the last thing tied to that that I would love for you to walk away with this morning is that I need forgiveness just as much as anybody else. Sometimes we think that you know we owe 50 and someone else owes 500 denarii, right? And sometimes we focus on which one of those people we are that we tend to miss the point. You don't owe 50. You don't owe 500. You have sinned countless number of times and you owe every single one of them. But that's not the point. That's not the point of the story. It doesn't matter how many sins that you owe. The point is nobody could pay their debt. It says plainly, neither of them could pay. Not the man who owed 50, not the man who owed 500, not the Pharisee, not the woman, not me, not you, not anybody can pay their own debt. And in the real world, it's really scary to not be able to pay your debts, right? But luckily, in our faith, we have a really gracious money lender who said, none of you can pay. But all debts are forgiven. Just like the first week I talked about. Notice that everybody was given a bag of gold, a talent, trusted with, right? Same thing here. Everybody has debt, and everybody's debt can be forgiven. That's an encouraging thing to me. Last thing I want to do is come back to the mirror. Okay, so be ready. <laughs> Let's read the scripture together. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that forgives, that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Again, I'm going to be on this side so you know that I'm looking in a mirror. Just <laughs> you have to ask yourself is this you? Not, do I owe. It's my mirror, I can break it. <laughs> Not, do I owe 50? Do I owe 500? Do I need to find the people that owe 500 and help them out? You know, because I have a little extra, I can give them, right? It's not, am I the Pharisee? It's not, am I the woman? It's, is Jesus talking to you? The answer is yes. I challenge you that after you read a parable like this or any of the parables we've talked about, you don't walk away forgetting what you look like in here. Because you're all beautiful, I think. But you're beautiful not because of yourself, but because of the Savior that covers you. Because of the person that paid all your debts. Because of the person that washed you clean. I would hate to look in this if I didn't have Jesus on my side. And so that's the question for you this morning. Are you allowing Jesus to cover you each and every day? Are you turning to him to fix your debt? Or are you trying to figure it out yourself? Are you turning to him whenever you are covered with the dirt and grime all over your feet from walking all day? Are you turning to him to make you know? Hopefully you say yes. And if not, that's okay. Because like I said earlier, there's not going to be a moment where God says, it's too much. He's okay with it. There's not going to be a moment where it's too late. But that being said, there's no, like, no time like today. There's no time like right. So if you have any need, if you want to know more about how you can get right with Jesus, if you want to be baptized and say, wash me right now, you can do all those things. We ask that you come and stand and sing together.